you can run up to three hours and, and your, your chance of injury isn't that, that great, but over three hours. Oh my gosh. Oh Lord. Sound the alarm. You're going to get injured. Like, nah, not, not necessarily. Diz Runs Radio episode 693 starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey guys, so uh, here we are, end of another month. Time to time to answer some questions. Uh, if you're new to these parts, this is something that we do at the end of each month. Uh, one of my favorite episodes each and every month, and that's uh, just simply listener Q and A. You ask, I answer, and with a little bit of luck, the answers actually are useful, valuable, something that uh, can help you. Although sometimes the questions are uh, less running related and more uh, kind of some life and everything in between, so maybe the those answers aren't quite as valuable in terms of actual, you know, like benefits uh to to your running but hopefully they're fun hopefully they make you smile a little bit um and uh who knows maybe maybe there's there's some value in that as well so before we dive into today's list of questions i want to let you know that today's episode is sponsored once again by the folks over at exoskin uh just make some of the, the the best performance wear dry fit type of wear base layer wear uh that i've that i've ever tried um just really really high quality stuff uh, from socks to shorts to tops, you know, shirts, long sleeve, short sleeve, no sleeve, um, tight fit, you know, kind of a, a more of a compression style fit to more of a loose fit shirt, uh, whatever you want, whatever, whatever fits best for you, feels best for you. Uh, but you want something that's, that's going to wick your sweat. That's going to not stink. That's going to keep you cooler or in the cooler, in the cooler weather months, which for some of you is still today, uh, actually kind of help you trap some of that heat and keep you warmer. It's kind of dual purpose. Does both of those things, um, you know, keep you hot when it's, when it's cold, keep you cool when it's hot. Um, just high quality stuff. Check them out. Exoskin.us is the website and, uh, you can definitely use the code Dizruns at checkout and that'll save you 20%. Um, and uh, if you get a little sticker shock when you when you look at the prices, remember that uh, with with some things, and this is definitely one of them. You know, when it comes to dry fit uh, type of of gear, you get what you pay for. So save yourself a, a, a decent little chunk with that twenty percent savings code of Diz Runs, um, and get you know invest in one or two pieces that'll last you for a long time. Uh, as long as you you know follow the the washing instructions, which is pretty easy. You know, just don't throw them in the dryer. Um, they're going to last for a long, long time, much longer than uh, some of the, the cheaper options and sometimes even the not so cheaper options that are out there. So check them out, exoskin.us. Use the code DIZRUNS to save 20%. So today's questions, we got a, we got a, a nice little list, um, not as long as some of the uh, the lists of questions that we've had in the past, but uh, I think there's 12 or 13, so still a good, a good chunk. And uh, if you want to make sure that you have the opportunity to ask your questions, you can send me questions anytime, and I'll, I'll try to throw them in the hopper, but without question, the best way to get your questions, you know, make sure that, that I don't lose them in the shuffle of uh, the, the black hole that is my inbox or, uh, you know, my, my email inbox is, is a hot disaster. Um, you know, and you can ask questions on social media, things like that, but they just, you know, it's, it's hard when I've got questions from a bunch of different places. I try not to lose them, but I know I do from time to time. 
So the best way to make sure that your questions make it on the show and, and you get some answers is to join our Facebook group, which is, I like to think, pretty fun. It's a pretty good group. Lots of great people in there. We're approaching the thousand thousand people mark, um, which is which is kind of cool. Uh, so if you want to you want to get in there, which uh, we're trying to create the best running group on Facebook, I think we're, I think we've been successful. You can be the judge of that. Uh, Dizruns.com slash Facebook is a link that'll take you right there. You can also just, you know, next time you're on Facebook, just do a little search in the search bar for the Dizruns tribe. Uh, click to join, and uh, we'd love to have you. Uh, I think I think you have to get approval before you join, but we'll let you in. We, we operate under the uh, assumption that you're, you're innocent until you prove yourself otherwise. So if you come in and spam the group with a bunch of, of crap that, uh, you know, you, you, whatever different products that you're, that you're selling or associated with, or, you know, just a bunch of stuff that doesn't make any sense or isn't, isn't appropriate, then we'll kick, we'll kick you out. But, uh, I think out of the, you know, however many number 900 and something that we're at now, um, I've only had to boot a couple of people. So for the most part, innocent till proven, uh, proven guilty works pretty well. So come on in, join the fun, uh, have, have some fun, some laughs, troll me a little bit, um, troll each other a little bit, you know, once, once you, once we get to know you and know that uh, it's all from a good place, we're totally down with that type of thing. Uh, so, so check us out. Dizruns.com slash Facebook. Uh, like I said, just search for Dizruns on Facebook, click to join. And, uh, then somewhere in the middle of each month, I put a post out, uh, one of the daily Diz posts. I, I make sure to post at least something every day. Uh, one of those daily Diz posts is uh, call for questions and you'll know it when you see it. And it basically says, what, what do you want me to talk about on the Q and a this month? You put your questions in the comments I come through with some answers that, like I said, hopefully they're useful, but uh, if nothing else, they're f- the, the advice is free. So, uh, you know, if you don't like my answers, I'll give you a money-back guarantee, um, which, you know, doesn't doesn't help or hurt either of us, but uh, it is what it is. So let's uh, dive into this month's questions and uh, hopefully have a little fun, maybe learn a few things along the way as well. So, the first question this month comes from Dan, who says, I know you like the philosophical questions, so I've got a couple for you. What are two or three things that you wish you could tell every runner? And what are two or three things that you think runners really can only learn through experience? So this was this is one that I, you know, philosophical, I had to think a little bit for you here, Dan. Um, and I feel like I've maybe talked, touched on or talked about most of these things at one point or another. Um, so... You know, but but uh, I'll try to lump them together here, and hopefully give you something to uh, to chew on, uh, give everybody something to chew on, um, and hopefully you can prove me wrong on a few of the things that I think you must kind of almost learn the hard way or experience to to really grasp it. Maybe not, maybe not. We'll see. But uh, some things that I like to tell everyone: one, uh, you inspire others more than you might think. So I, I think a lot of times, you know, we we kind of look at what we do, whatever paces we run, whatever distances we run, and think, yeah, you know, whatever. That's that's not that big of a deal. But those that those that do more, those that are faster, those that run farther, those that log more miles, whatever, those are the ones that are inspiring. And nah, nah, like w- all of us are inspiring to someone. There's, there's always someone who's aspiring to, to do what, what we do. You know, you, you might quote unquote only run five K's. Well, there's people that can't run five K's. They're like, God, I would just, I would, I would love to be able to run a five K, you know? Um, so, so don't sell yourself short. Don't think that people aren't, you know, that, that, that what you do isn't, isn't, uh, important, doesn't matter, isn't of consequence because absolutely everyone that, that runs, is inspiring to someone. There, there's, you know, there's people that 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 uh, wish that they could do what you do, even if what you do, even if you don't think that what you do is very is is very impressive, 
There are those that are like, God, I wish I could just do that. So, you know, you inspire people. You inspire people. Absolutely you do. Uh, number two thing I'd like to tell every runner, stay patient. Progress in this sport takes t- takes time. Takes takes years. Sometimes takes decades. Uh, so so be patient. I mean, you've heard me say that when I talk when I'm talking about you know heart rate training. The, the results take a lot of time. So you got to you got to put in the work. Be consistent. Keep showing up and stay patient. But that that advice transcends just heart rate training and just to running in general. You know, if if you've got big goals and I hope that you do, stay patient. Keep working at them. And, uh, you know, you, you'll get there. You, and if not, you'll make, you'll make more progress than you ever would have thought possible. As long as you stay patient, don't, don't go for instant success in our sport, um, or instant gratification, or you're, you're likely to wind up injured, burned out, things like that. So stay patient, keep the long view in mind. And then most, maybe the most important thing. And I, I certainly tell every one of my clients, this, every one of the, the Diz runners, this, all of my athletes before their races, um, just make sure you have fun. You know, have your goals, have your ambitions, have the things that you want to want to work towards. But at the end of the day, all of us are doing this because we, we want to enjoy it. So make sure that things are fun. You know, go figure out ways to keep it fun, whether that's different different races, different distances, uh, running groups, costumes, wh- whatever it is. Keep running fun. Keep running fun. Uh, and some things that I think you must learn the hard way or, or learn through experience. How to listen to your body and what your body's trying to tell you. So I can I can give you some of the the common signs and symptoms of different things of of you know possible you know kind of the, the preambles to injuries or signs of burnout things like that. Um, but I think that that a lot of times experience is the best teacher in those situations where you know after after you go through something maybe it's a case of plantar fasciitis, uh, 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 some other type of injury, burnout, fatigue, whatever. Um, if you look back you can often kind of recognize some, some, maybe some symptoms, some signals that something wasn't right, uh, that you just didn't know what your body was trying to tell you for some cases, a few days, some cases, a few weeks, some cases, a few months before, you know, it got to the point where you had to, to be sidelined for a while. Um, and hopefully you can, you can learn that lesson the first time. And then the next time you feel that little tightness in your foot or that little twinge in your knee or that little like feeling of, God, I really just don't want to run today. Um, you'll recognize those, some of those signs and symptoms that you've experienced before, and you can go ahead and address them now, nip the problem in the bud. Um, and you know, maybe miss one or two runs or maybe not miss any runs at all, but never, you know, the, the, the issue will never escalate to the point where then you're forced to be out for weeks or months at a time. So how to listen to your body and and kind of understanding what your body's telling you. I think that's something that you just have to kind of learn over time and through experience. Uh, to really, really speak that language that your body uh, is speaking to you. Um, another thing I think that must be learned the hard way that less is often more. Uh, you know, as as we grow in the sport, you know, there, there comes a point in our early days as as runners or early in our running careers where, yeah, you know, the doing more is going to help you get farther in in the sport. So more miles, uh, doing some some harder workouts, things like that, more time on your feet is valuable to a point, but then there, there often comes to a point where, you know, you keep trying to do more, run harder, more miles, more workouts, things like that. Um, you start to see some diminishing returns. And sometimes you start to see things where it's going the, the, the direction you don't want it to go. And a lot of runners, a lot of, of, of us, we kind of double down on, all right, well, I need to do more. Ah, sometimes you got to learn to back off. Sometimes, sometimes, oftentimes less is more. Um, and again, I think that's something that, that's easy for me to say, easy for you to hear and go, yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. 
but in the moment we don't recognize it until um until we kind of have to to maybe learn that lesson the hard way and and recognize that you know kind of start to see that when you back off a little bit wow the body feels better and and you start to see you know, gains again. Like, wow, that was weird. How did that happen? I'm running less than I had, did last year. Well, maybe you were running a bit too much last year and your body was in a constant state of fatigue or, you know, you weren't running easy most of the time. So backing off the pace, a little bit less pace, a little bit less effort running actually easy is more. So sometimes less is more is one of those things that has to be learned the hard way. Uh, and then, you know, one other thing that, that, uh, is, is often learned through experience, I think, or maybe best learned through experience. Um, is just what it feels like to, to cross the finish line of your first marathon or whatever. You know, insert first epic running moment that you maybe weren't ever even sure was, was possible. So maybe it's it's your first 5K. Maybe it's it's your first half marathon, marathon, ultra, um, first BQ, first first whatever. Um, but that, that feeling of accomplishment, you know, you, you've heard me talk before about the emotions that you experience at, at the first, at least that I experienced at my first uh, marathon finish. I, I, I can't put those into, into words. Um, it's, it's hard, you know, I mean, it was emotional. It was, it was, wow, I did it. I, that was crazy. I'll never do it again, but the actual feeling like it just, it just doesn't, doesn't come. Um, but a lot of people I've talked to have, have expressed that they've, they felt that same way as well, you know, where they can, they can kind of try to put some words to it, but that real, the, the, the real painting, the real picture with words is just not possible. So, um, you know, if, if there's, if there's a goal that you've been, been working towards or is out there and you think, Oh, I could never do that. Um, keep chipping away. And that feeling that you'll have, whoo, can't put it into words, but when you get there, boy, that, that feeling is, is legit is, is legit. Uh, and certainly something that must be experienced. So, Hope those are, are good answers to your questions, some philosophical answers there, Dan. But thank you for uh, for, for kind, of, kind of combining two questions into one there. That, those were some good ones, though. Uh, I certainly appreciate it. So thank you. Uh, next question comes from Bruce. Says, uh, some coaches say not to go over three hours for your long run, but I'm a 430, hopefully, uh, you know, marathon finisher and uh, feel the need to go over, you know, over three hours and get in a couple of 20 milers. I don't feel ready if I haven't done at least a 20. What's your opinion and why or why not? What do you recommend? And I know that it increases chance of injury. So Bruce, I'm going to push back just a little bit on that, that last statement there. Um, I don't think that going over three hours in and of itself necessarily increases the risk of injury any more than, 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 you know, it's not like, like three hours is this magical number where you can run up to three hours and, and your, your chance of injury isn't that, that great, but over three hours. Oh my gosh. Oh Lord. Sound the alarm. You're going to get injured. Like nah, not. Not necessarily. Um, I think that, that the better uh, thing to keep in mind there is pace. Uh, there's a quote, and I can't remember who, who said it, um, but it, it goes something along the lines of, you know, it, it's the pace that kills, never the distance. And obviously, you know, to a point that's, you know, yes, adding a bunch of distance can cause some problems, but it's that, that level of exertion. It's that, that pace, the intensity of your run that's going to cause you more problems than, than, than going a longer distance. I mean, shoot, you could go out and walk for three, four, five hours. Now you might not cover 20 miles, but you can go walk time on your feet. No problem. You know, you could run some in there too. No problem. But to try to go out and hammer a, a hard pace marathon goal pace for, for, you know, three, four five hours, that's when you feel beat up. That's when you really sore the next day. So, um, I say all that to say this, when it comes to uh, my take on training for a marathon, 
Um, like I like I said in the book, you know, a little a little subtle plug here for be ready on race day. Um, but I think there's there's kind of three ways you can do it. You can you can do it that I'm not going to go over three hours or over 20 miles. So kind of I'm going to get a good chunk of training, but you know, not not push it too much. Uh, and that works for some people. There's those who like to go, you know, get to where kind of I think I said in the book where you can kind of see the finish line. But, uh, you know, don't quite get there. So that might be, that might be somebody like you who wants to get 20 miles, maybe even a little bit more, maybe get, get 21 miles, 22 miles. And if that takes you three and a half hours, four hours, so be it. No big deal. Just keep that pace easy. Run slower than goal pace, but get that time on your feet to get the miles in. Hey, you're gravy. And then there's those that like to go up to, or even beyond the distance before race day. Um, and literally, I mean, I have one of, one of my athletes, uh, who, who, we, we kind of, I don't know if we butted heads. I don't know if we ever really butted heads on it, but you know, when I first started working with her, she was like, look, I really feel the need to go 26 plus miles, you know, a few weeks before a marathon. It just gives me that confidence that I can do it. And you know, I really would like to, to do that. We make it work every, every marathon she's running. And I've been working with her for a few years now. So, uh, it's, it's been multiple marathons. We've gone up to 26 miles shoot before you know she ran, um, an altar with me earlier this year. And, and I think we did, I don't think we went over 26 miles. Maybe we did 27 or something like that, but we went, you know, in training leading up to, to this 50 K 26, 27 miles. So, you know, and, and, and it didn't cause her any issues. Didn't cause her injuries. She kept the pace nice and easy. Got some time on her feet. No big deal. So, um, all that to say, Bruce, that, that I'm totally okay with going over three hours in training. Um, I'm, I'm okay with going as, as long as you want to go, getting as many miles as you want to go, as long as you're keeping the pace legitimately easy. So don't be running. Don't feel like you need to go 20 miles at, uh, you know, the pace that would allow you to hit your 430 target for the marathon. Shoot, go a minute per mile slower, two minutes per mile slower. It doesn't matter how much per mile slower. Get your miles or get your, your X number of time on your feet get, and, and it, you know, allow your body to experience that. But don't, don't worry about the pace. Then on race day, hammer it. Hammer it. Go for the, go for that four thirty, um, but but don't feel like you can't just go over three hours or all of a sudden all your worst nightmares are going to come come true. Um, I don't know that you have to do that. Uh, in fact, I know people that don't. I know people who who live and die by that three hour ish, you know, kind of long run, and and you know they're they're four and a half five hour marathoners, and they don't they don't go past that. I don't know how that works for them for, from a mental standpoint. If nothing else, I feel like I need to go. 22, 23 miles to, to get ready for a marathon. Um, but that's me. It sounds like that might be you too. So, so go ahead and, and get yourself, you know, a good quality long run in there. Even if you get up to closer to four hours, it's not the end of the world. Just keep the pace easy. That's what you need to, uh, to uh, control is the effort you're putting into the run more so than the amount of time on your feet. Or at least that's where things go wrong. If you push too hard for those longer runs. So hope that helps Bruce. Hope that makes sense. Um, and good luck. Good luck on your, on your next, on your next race. Uh, next question comes from Aaron. It says, uh, can a Cadbury egg be considered pre-run fuel? No, man. No, a, a Cadbury egg is, is useless as far as I'm concerned, unless I need to throw something at somebody, you know, if I need to, if I need to, to wing something across the room, you know, throw something at the dog to get his attention. Um, want to make Addie dance by having her jump around from things. Then, then maybe a Cadbury egg would be useful. But a Cadbury egg is is useless, terrible, disgusting. Maybe worse than jelly beans? I don't know. Um, as far as just candy in general, just yuck, 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 and not like 
Not like Three Stooges. Yuck, 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 yuck. But like disgusting, disgusting, disgusting. Cadbury eggs. Ugh, gross. Uh, <laughs> want me to tell you how I really feel about that? <laughs> anyway, uh, yes, Aaron, you know, whatever. If you want to you eat a disgusting Cadbury egg before a run, I'm not going to stop you. But uh, even, in, even in my high-carb days, you wouldn't catch me eating a Cadbury egg. Uh, even if there was no other candy, I'll just go candy-less uh, at that point. Uh, next question comes from Karen says, when you trained for your 50 K, what was your longest training run? Um, I suppose Karen, it kind of depends on, on your definition of, of when that training window is. Um, but I, the simple answer is, is 26.2 marathon distance. Um, so, you know, my last 50 K was, was the second weekend, third weekend, something like that of January. Uh, and on Thanksgiving day, I did a, a 26.2 mile training run. Uh, after that, the longest run that I did, I think was 21, 22 miles, something like that. Um, so yeah, right around, you know, I mean, somewhere in that, in that range, right around marathon distance was the longest I had done. Um, I didn't feel any need to go longer than that. I, I knew that my base was there. I knew that my overall mileage was good. Um, I knew that, that, you know, by running 26 miles on, on Thanksgiving and 21 miles or whatever it was, 22 miles. I think that was kind of the week between Christmas and, and New Year's, if, if memory serves. Um, I knew I was good. I knew I would be able to, to finish the 50K. Um, and and I didn't feel the need to, to push on farther than that. But that's just that's just me. Um, but again, I mean, I think that's that's a good, you know, if you can do 26 miles, you can do, you know, I know people say this all the time, then you can do 50 uh, 50k, you know, 31 miles. So that, that's what worked for me. Um, you know, and and that's what I did the first time too. I did a couple of 26 mile training runs, 26.2 mile training runs, runs. Um, and that works, that works. Um, you know, you, you can, you can cut those down and do more doubles. I didn't do really any doubles or any back to backs where I did, you know, 20 miles one day and 10 miles or 15 miles the next, That, that wasn't really, doesn't really fit my, my normal training routine. Uh, if I go up to I'm going to stick with if, if I go up to like a 50 miler, I'll probably have to do something like that. Make that work where I'm doing, you know, maybe 26 miles one day and then 15 miles the next day to get used to running on kind of heavy, tired legs. Um, because I just don't really want to do like a 35 miler in one, in one shot or 40 miler in one shot. Um, so that's, that's an option too in training for a 50 K, but it's not something that I've, I've done in the past. If I got more serious about 50 Ks, maybe, but for right now doing one every couple of years, um, a 26 er you know, a, a month or so beforehand. That's good enough. That's good enough for me. Uh, next question also from Karen, kind of following up on, on the 50 K, uh, idea here. Any tips for running a 50 K I'm considering running one in May. Uh, this will be my second one. The first one I had, I, I ran, I had a lot of, or sorry, let me, let me read this again here. The first one I ran had a lot of gravel and I did not realize how hard it would be on the body. I was so sore. I said I would never run one again, but we all know how that goes. So any advice would be appreciated. So, um, you know, beyond the, the, the mileage, you know, and, and like I said, you don't necessarily have to do a, a 26 miler, but that's, that's what I did. Uh, but beyond that, what are some, some tips for running a 50 K? So let me, uh, let me think about that for a second. So here, here are a few things that, uh, I would, I would recommend one. Don't feel like you have to run the whole thing. Um, you know, I mean, obviously you don't necessarily have to run the whole thing on a, on a road race, but especially if this is a trail race, even if it's a gravelly type of trail, uh, 50 K that's a long freaking way. There's going to be walking is okay. I don't know why so many of us have this, this 
preconceived notion, and I'm guilty of it too, that like walking is somehow bad. Like walking is okay. Um, you know, if, if that means you want to have a, a specific run walk interval thing, great. If that means that, that, you know, you just get to that point where you're like, God, I just need to walk for a minute, then walk for a minute, whatever. Walking is okay. So, so get that idea out of your head that like, oh shit, I've got to be so trained that I can run 31 miles, 50 K without stopping. If you, if you want to do that, great. If that's your personal challenge, great, but it's not, it's not a requirement. So don't feel like you have to run the whole thing or it's not a success. Uh, another idea for getting ready to run a 50 K or thinking about running a 50 K get used to eating actual real food during a run. Don't please don't try to fuel yourself on gels only for a freaking you know, race. that's going to be six, six ish hours long or longer. Um, get used to eating some real food, you know, talked about it a little bit here and there, but ultra aid stations are ridiculous chips and cookies and crackers and, um, pickles and oranges and all, all kinds of candies and gummies. And this, I mean, there's, it's a smorgasbord, you know, it really is a buffet of food and you get to some of these, these longer races. Now you might be quote unquote, only doing a 50 K Karen, but depending on what race you're a part of that 50 K could be part of a hundred mile race as well, or a 50 mile race as well. And they could have soup and, you know, uh, burritos and, and like food, food, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches are a staple. Um, there might be some grilled cheese. There might be some chip. I mean, what the, the, the amount of food that is available, the, the variety of food that is available at, at, at different ultras is kind of mind blowing. So get used to doing that, you know, fuel some of these runs, not just with, with sugar and fructose and crap coming out of a, of a gel packet, but get used to eating some real food and, and what that, how your body reacts to that learn what you, you know, maybe shouldn't, shouldn't eat because it doesn't set well on your stomach. Um, you know, so, so trying some, some different things, salted potatoes are a common one. Um, but you know, getting used to eating real food during a run is, is something that, that a lot of road runners and, and people that don't go beyond marathon distance ever, and typically run even shorter than that. That's like a, this completely foreign concept, but to ultra runners, I, somebody said somewhere, I don't know if it was on the show or if I read it somewhere, but you know, an ultra marathon is really just a, a, an eating contest, um, that has a finish line. You know, it's, it's how much, how much can I eat at this aid station? Then run to the next aid station and eat something there and run to the next one. You know, that's, that's a, a key component to the race is, is figuring out what foods to fuel yourself with, what digests well, what sits well in your stomach. Um, so getting used to eating real food during a run, pretty, pretty important thing for an ultra. Um, I would also encourage you to have zero time goals. Don't, don't have a, don't worry about it. Um, even if it's the same race that you ran before, you know, trail conditions are different. Weather conditions are different. Um, and, and obviously that's the same situation with, with road running and and road races, but it's even more so on the trail. You know, even those things impact a trail run even more, you know, a little bit of rain on a road race. No big deal. No big deal. A little bit of rain on a trail race can turn a, 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 dry fast trail into a mud, a mud bogging pit. Uh, you could be into standing water up to your knees, depending on how the trails drain. Um, so it's, it's, you know, the weather makes a big difference. And, and as such zero time goals, just go out there, aim to have a good day, take your time, have fun, take some pictures, laugh, talk, whatever. Um, and it, no worries about how long it takes you to finish the race. Uh, when you get to your dark patch and you will get to a dark patch, don't despair. It'll get better. It'll get better. Um, I've had those in, in both of my, two 50 K's that I've run, um, where there are points where it's like, this just sucks. I hate this. I don't want to be out here anymore. Um, this just sucks. And you just keep moving forward. And for me, that meant walking 
more than I wanted to. Just walk, just walk, just walk, just walk. And pretty soon it's like, all right, starting to feel a little better. Let me try to, to run a little bit. And it doesn't feel great, but you kind of start, all right, settling in, settling in, feeling all right. Just start, start going, keep moving one foot in front of the other. Um, you know, and obviously you don't feel fresh as a daisy after you've been running for five hours, um, or at least been on your feet for five hours, maybe running for, uh, for four of those hours and walking for one of the hours. But, uh, you know, things start to, all right, let's go, let's go finish lines in sight, you know, metaphorically, but only, only two miles left to go. All right, let's go start running. I get this damn thing over with. So the dark patches come and in a 50 K you'll probably get to one, maybe two of them, but definitely get to one. It'll get better. Just keep going. Uh, and last but not least, if you're looking for a race to run, you know, if, you, if you're still undecided, looped courses are not as bad as you might think. Uh, I'm definitely a fan of the looped course after running bear bait. Uh, it's nice to, to get a little bit familiar, get some milestones, kind of get a feel for how far it is, you know, to get to the, the aid station again, or to, um, you know, to, to just have one place where you don't have to worry about drop bags and things like that. You can just set yourself up for, uh, you know, having, having a bag. If, if you have a crew, great. If not, no big deal. You know, different, different clothes, different shoes. If you start to get hot, you can drop, you know, take, take nice gear with you. And all you have to do is make it back to the aid station and drop it off and it'll be waiting for you. Or, you know, if you don't need a jacket at first, but it starts to rain later, you have your rain gear with you. Boom. You pick it up. So, um, looped courses get, get, I think for, especially for road runners, we, we think, God, those would be so boring. Um, they're not that bad. They're not that bad. There's definitely some benefits to running a looped course. So those are some things I would, uh, encourage you to, to at least have in mind, think about, uh, if you decide to pull the plug and, uh, or pull the trigger, I guess, and sign up for, uh, the, the second 50 K. Um, so hope that, hope that, help, blah, blah, blah. hope that helps Karen. And uh, if you have any other questions, obviously just let us, let us know, let us know. We've got plenty of folks in the group that have done 50 Ks before. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure that they'd be happy to, to chime in, uh, you know, thinking of, of Isla and Angela, uh, Chris has done a couple. Um, and I know there's, there's others as well that I'm not, that aren't coming right to mind. I apologize, but, uh, lots of people that can give you some, some thoughts and some suggestions when it comes to running ultras. So, uh, get, get back to questions here in just a, just a second, but first taking a, another minute and, uh, reminding you about exoskin. And, uh, one thing that, uh, I don't know if they want me to tell you this or not, but Hey, I get to, I get control of how I do the sponsories. Now, maybe it means they're not going to come back and sponsor any more episodes. Who knows? But uh, here's here's the the dirty truth about Exoskin. Okay, so uh, one of their technologies they 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 blend the fibers with with copper, um, which is a, a an obviously an element that helps to reduce odor um, in in the gear. And uh, you know, I mean, if anything, I'll put something to the test for you. And um, you know, this, this may really gross you out. This may be something you're just like, well, yeah, shit, I'd do the same thing. But, uh, when it comes to my socks, so I have, a, I have one pair of exoskin, exoskin toe socks. Um, and I've worn them probably, I don't know, eight runs in a row, 10 runs in a row before washing them. Um, no smell of funk, nothing random growing on them, nothing random growing on my toes after I pull them out of the, the socks. Now, I've washed my toes, you know, more than, than zero times out of 10 runs. Um, maybe not a lot more, but at least more than zero times out of 10 runs. Um, but but never once did, did the socks, socks start to stink um, or anything like that. They, they never got crusty. They, ne- they never got anything. And that's because of the antimicrobial and anti-odor-eliminating you know odor eliminating properties of the copper and the, the fabric, the, the patented uh, production process of the exoskin clothes. So, you know, like I said at the, at the beginning, that you might get a little sticker shock when you look at some of the prices of, of the gear that they have, although it's really not 
out of line with similar products on the market. But between using the code DizRuns, get yourself, save yourself 20% and realizing that you don't have to get, you know, seven pairs of, of socks so that you don't have to, you know, wash, do laundry every, every day that you run. So you can run in these, these good socks every time or running this, this great top or the compression so- shorts or whatever. Um, you can get away with wearing them several times in a row. And really, you don't even necessarily need to wash them after that. But at some point, I think even for me, who's anti, is like the least germaphobic person in the world. At some point, I'm like, God, I haven't washed these socks in like three weeks. I should probably throw them in the in the laundry uh, and, and clean them up. Um, and and honestly, I don't notice a difference between that twelfth time in a row of wearing them and the first time after they come out of out of the washer. So um, they're, they're that good. They're that good. They don't stink. Now, granted, I haven't worn them through. Um, Florida summer yet. So I haven't quite put them through that, that level of test yet where it's just sweaty and gross and nasty all the time, but it's been pretty sweaty and gross and, and it's feet, feet trapped in shoes, sweaty and gross and nasty, still smelling like a daisy after however many, 10, 12 wears in a row. Um, so all that to say, get yourself two pairs and you know, you'll be good for, a you know, at least a couple of weeks before you have to wash them or before you, if, if you can go that long, at least a week, you know? And, and so now you're not looking at buying a whole bunch of socks, although, you know, Certainly, as as a, a proponent of the brand, as, as somebody who's the, you know they're a sponsor of the show, you know, would like to get you to, to buy as many as you want. But uh, if you feel like they're a little bit expensive, get yourself one or two pairs, and you're good. You're good. You don't have to wash them that often. Um, like I said, I don't know if that's what they want me to tell you. If, that, if that's supposed to be a selling feature or not, um, I guess I'll ask for uh, forgiveness if, if they don't like it. But um, you know, something that if I was thinking about buying them, I'd be like, God, I don't know if I if I'd spend this much for one pair of socks. Well, guess what? That one pair of socks you can wear them six, seven, eight, 10 times in a row. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, it's kind of like having 10 pairs of socks for, uh, you know, whatever it is, $24. That's not so bad. Plus you get 20% off of that. Use the code DizRun. So you're talking 10 pairs of socks for like $20. That ain't bad. That ain't bad for some of the, the, the most comfortable high quality socks that are going to leave your feet. Um, you know, no, no blister issues, no, 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 no issues at all. So, um, for what it's worth, Get yourself one pair, wear them multiple times, and they're not gonna they're not gonna stink. You're not gonna have your 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 significant other, your kids going, God, what died in here? No, because the, the the socks are that good, the, the technology is that good. Uh, check them out, exoskin.us. Use the code Dizruns at checkout, um, and uh, pray for my wife who has to put up with me and my grossness on a regular basis. The things I the things I do, the, the, the trials and tribulations I put her through. She's a good, good woman, um, which has nothing to do with exoskin, everything to do with my poor hygiene, but whatever. That's a, that's another conversation for another day. Exoskin.us. Use the code DizRuns. So getting back to the questions, where where were we? We just answered Karen's two questions. All right, so next question comes from my, my man and, and uh, neighbor-ish. Neighbor-ish, next town over. We got to get together and run one of these days here, Brian. But uh, next question comes from Brian. He says, "What is a typical running regimen when it comes, but you know, to, to maintain between uh, training blocks? Training blocks. E.g., what do you do when you don't start uh, when you don't start for a number of months until training begins for the next marathon? So you finish a race several several months or weeks before the next training block. What do you do to maintain your fitness is, is the question there. So, um, you know, you could hire somebody like me, Brian, I'll, I'll keep you on, on track. Um, but, uh, in more, more seriously, I mean, that, that is a lot of, of what goes on and, and, and a lot of the, the athletes I work with and, and my personal philosophy is, you know, you, you train for a race and you, you certainly ramp, want to ramp up and peak for your race, but then 
in between, obviously you don't want to just let things go. You don't want to, you don't want to do what I did the first couple marathons I ran where I trained up for a marathon and then didn't run for several months coming off of it. And then couldn't believe that it was hard to run two miles. You know, I mean, it makes sense in, in hindsight and, and obviously, uh, it was a foolish thing to do, but you know, when I didn't really know any better and I wasn't much of a runner, that's, that's kind of what I did and got it. That sucks. So you want to maintain your fitness now. So what do you do? Well, the, the easy answer is keep running keep running between now, obviously again, you, you peaked for this, this race, you, you built up for this race. You don't want to keep things at, you know, 20 miles every, every week, long run type of, of level, but you know, settle off, settle into something that, that's, that's a nice level of fitness that, that works for you. 10 miles, 12 miles, something like that for your long run. Keep your weekly mileage in that, you know, in, in, in a comfortable, but higher, ele- somewhat elevated level. So maybe that's 20 miles, maybe it's 30 miles, maybe it's 40 miles, whatever it is. Um, but, but maintain, a regular routine of running. Um, you know, keep the pace easy. Don't push yourself too hard. Mix in some workouts here and there, regular long run. Um, that's, that's, that's what it looks like for me. I mean, really, honestly, my training looks zero different. Maybe if you looked at my training calendar, which I don't know if I have 2019's version as, as public or the link out there, but if you want to look at it, you can look at it. Um, it doesn't change whether I'm training for a race or whether I'm not other than the, the distances of my long runs ramp up when I'm, when I'm leading up towards a race, but otherwise it stays exactly the same. I run the same days of the week. Um, I, I, you know, do my strength training, do my yoga, things like that. My cross training, um, nothing really changes except for when a race starts to approach, I ramp up a little bit higher to, to get ready for that race. And that's what I encourage you to do as well. You know, um, it, I, I did a, a quick tip episode, maybe about a year or so ago. Uh, and there's a link in the show notes, disruns.com slash six, nine, three, uh, where I talked about, increase your floor to increase your ceiling. So, you know, if, if you settle into a normal routine after training block where 10 miles is your, is your regular long run, well, maybe after the next training block, settle into where 12 miles or 14 miles or 15 miles is your new quote unquote standard, your new regular for your long run. Um, because what that does is that that lets you start training for the next cycle a bit farther ahead. You've got a bit more of a, of a strong base, a bit better fitness. And what that does is give you tons of options, tons of options. If you're, if you're starting marathon training, you can comfortably run 15 miles and you've got, you know, 16 weeks, 12 weeks until your race. We've got nothing but options as far as how many times we want to touch 20 miles. Uh, you know, you've got a good solid base. We can do some, some fast finish work, some speed work, some things to really help you, you know, really be locked in peak fitness, ready to go. If you start that training block 16 weeks out and you're at 10 miles or less, as far as what you can comfortably handle for your long run, I, I, I'm not saying that to shame anybody. I'm just saying that, you know, over the, over time from one race to the next, if you can, if you can keep bumping that up a little bit to have your base be a bit stronger, how much more flexibility do we have? How much more can we, can, you know, how many more good quality long runs can we get in? Um, you know, don't have as much that we need to ramp up to, um, to get ready, you know, the, the, the difference is, is legitimate. It's, it's a legitimate difference. And it's something that several of, of the athletes I work with, that's something we've been working on is, you know, from, from two or three or four years ago, when I started working with these folks to where we are now, they're, they're quote unquote, regular long runs, much, maybe not much, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, four miles farther per week, five miles farther per, per week on average makes a world of difference, makes a world of difference when it comes to training for that next race. So that's what I would encourage kind of, kind of, maintain a pretty regular routine, whether you're in training or not, but bumping up those, those long runs just a little bit so that you're starting the next training cycle from a a bit more forward position is going to really help you, um, hit your goals, be prepared for that race, be ready to go. So obviously Brian, if you have any questions, let me know. 
and uh, we'll, we'll get we'll get figured out. If if you need some help with that kind of stuff, that's uh, that's what I'm here for as well. So uh, we can always have those conversations if you're interested. Uh, but thank you for the question. I hope that helps. Uh, next question comes from Ms. Brooke in South Georgia. Says, uh, "How do you use the same? Or how do you? Come on, Des, read the question right. Do you use the same shoes for trail running as road running? I do not. I do not. That said, I very well could." Um, you know, there's, there's nothing super magical about trail shoes. There's nothing super required about trail shoes. Uh, but it really depends on the trails you're running. So the trails that we have down here, at least most of the trails we have down here, the ones that I primarily run on are not very technical. There's not a bunch of loose gravel. There's not a bunch of, of, you know, mountainside or mountain, you know, kind of edge of the mountain type of, of terrain where a slip could literally be, uh, the difference between life and death. Um, there's not a lot of rocks and, and sometimes there's some tree roots, but not too many that I have to, to try to walk on or run on things like that. So I don't need real fancy trail shoes. Now I have some trail shoes and a lot of that honestly, uh, comes from the fact that I've been, you know, working with ultra for, for years. I've been an ambassador now. This is my, my sixth year. So I get a certain number of, of free shoes every year. And, you know, at some point I'm like, let me try some trail shoes. Um, and, and now that I, I work with running shoes, as well, I do shoe reviews for them. So I get some, some free trail shoes from them as well to, to review. And I, I can get, keep them afterwards. So like, I've got way more trail shoes than I need and, and way fancier, grippier, uh, gnarlier trail shoes than I possibly need. The trails I run on, I could absolutely get away with running, uh, in my, in my road shoes, but because I have trail shoes, I use them. So if it, if it's a matter of going out and buying trail shoes for yourself, look at the trail that you're going to run on. Um, you know, you go out the first couple of times, the first few times I ran the trails first several times I ran the trails. I absolutely just ran in, in my regular road shoes. No, no issues at all. Um, again, I don't, I don't have to worry too much about, uh, mud and muck and slipping and ice and loose gravel and, and things like that. So I didn't really need to get trail shoes. Um, so if the trail requires a bit, get yourself some trail shoes. If, if it doesn't, you don't have to, it can be nice. It can be nice. There's some, some features, especially if you, if you get into some, some sloppy, some wet areas, things like that, where, you know, trail shoes, the newer ones that I have have like little, little spots where the, the water drains out of the shoe a bit, you know, it's designed to, to drain water. Um, so if you go through a, a, a water crossing or, you know, a muck section of a trail where it's just mud and muck and nasty, um, you know, you, you, the water comes in, but it comes out pretty quick. So you're not running in, in sloshy, soggy shoes. Um, that's nice. That's a nice little feature. Uh, the trail shoes tend to be a bit more protected as well. So if, if there's a bunch of, you know, if you're going through brush and, and, you know, things like that, it's going to keep your shoes a bit, uh, you, you, your shoes aren't going to necessarily rip and tear. Like, uh, maybe some of the, the shoes that I have that are more road running shoes, less, less protected. I'm going to also beat up my feet a bit more. So, you know, there's, there's reasons to get trail shoes, but they're not necessarily required, especially if you're running on fairly non-technical trails. So hope all that, that helps and makes sense, Brooke. Um, you know, depending, it really depends on the trail you're running on. Um, as to whether or not I would recommend getting some trail shoes or not. Uh, next question comes from Rhonda says, uh, what is the best ultra running shoe for long distances? I have two pairs of the Escalantes, which I love for everyday running, you know, three to five miles. I'd like something with more cushion for the longer distances. And, and Rhonda, this is a, a question that I really struggle to answer because for me, the Escalantes are a great shoe for long distances. I mean, I, I, I love my Escalantes for marathon distance, you know, training runs, marathon distance races. Um, I think they're great. I think they have plenty of cushion for those longer distances. And I'm not saying that to, to make you feel bad or make you re-question. I'm saying that to, to illustrate that different strokes for different folks. Um, there, are, there are definitely shoes out there that have more cushion um, that, that, you know, try them, give them a shot. Um, if, if you like the, the, the upper parts of the, the Escalantes, that, that soft, uh, real flexible, 
non-rigid, you know, kind of the, the part that, that swallows the, the top of your foot. Um, you have kind of two options in, in the ultra uh, catalog that, that you might be interested in. The the Torin 3.5, I think, knit shoe, um, or I'm sorry, mesh shoe, the, the Torin 3.5 mesh um, is the same upper as the, the Escalante with more cushion underneath it and a bit more rigid uh, feel underneath it as well. So those might be ones to look at. You could also look at the new paradigms, the paradigm five, I believe it is, um, that also has that, that mesh upper, um, super soft feels like a glove, but it has a ton of cushion underneath it. Now, some of the reviews on those are a little bit sketchy. Um, as far as they're, they're a little bit narrow in the midfoot. Some people, it's kind of like people love them or people really have, have struggles with them. So something might be worth checking out. Hopefully you've got uh, a, a, a shoe store near you that, that carries ultras. You can get them and try them out. The other thing, remember with ultras is anytime that you, you get a shoe, whether it's, it's online or, or, you know, at the shoe store, you get it from ultra 30 days, no questions, uh, return policy. So you can get them, wear them. If you don't feel right, if they don't feel right, you don't have to feel bad about like, gosh, I, do I have to lie to them about it? No, I haven't worn them at all. Like they don't care. Wear them, beat them up, take them out on the trail, whatever. And you can always return them 30 days, no questions asked. So, you know, those would be two options. Uh, if, if you are okay with something that's a little bit stiffer on the upper, you might try the duos. You might also try the, uh, I can't remember. I can never remember the instinct or the intuition. One of them is the male shoe. One of them is the female shoe, but it's the same shoe, you know, it's the same, same style. Um, those have a bit, those are technically classified as a, a moderate cushion shoe, which the Escalante also is, but it's a firmer cushion, firmer blend on the bottom, which may may give you that feeling of having a bit more support and a bit more something underneath your feet than what the, the what the Escalante has. So, um, but I think if you know, my, my if you really want a lot more cushion than what the Escalante has, um, look at the Duo, look at the Torin, look at the um, uh, what did I say? Gosh. I want to say, I hope I didn't say provision because that's not the right, that's not the right shoe. Um, that's a stability shoe. The paradigm, that's the other one. The paradigm is the big one. The paradigm five. Uh, look at, look at those three shoes. And, uh, like I said, hopefully you can try them on at a shoe store, but if not, you can order them and full of confidence that if you don't like them, if it's not the right shoe for you, 30 days, you can send it back. No questions asked. They will take good care of you. My, my friends over at ultra will definitely hook you up not hook you up, but they'll take care of you, uh, with, with a refund, um, and giving you, you know, letting you get a different pair of shoes, try those. You'll find the right one. That's, that's the right mix for you. So hopefully that helps Rhonda. And, uh, would, would love to know what you end up settling on, uh, and how you like it. So please let me know once you, uh, get a different pair. Next question comes from Trevor says, what causes muscle cramps while racing? Is it hydration, lack of salt or something else? So, um, there's really kind of two main causes of cramps, on race day. So one of them is just when you're pushing your muscles to the, to the max, pushing them to the breaking point, sometimes they break down and that breakdown process causes the cramps to happen. So, so just effort, just intensity, just pushing hard mile after mile after mile can cause that. If you're maybe pushing a little, maybe that's a sign that you're pushing a little too hard. Um, even if your heart rate's in, in tap, you're, you're, you're pushing harder than your muscles can handle that can cause a cramp. Other side is um, kind of what you're, what you're getting at with, with the rest of your question there, hydration, salt, something else. Um, it's, it's an electrolyte imbalance. Um, and, and that can come from being dehydrated. It can come from being overhydrated. Um, and it can have nothing to do with hydration at all. It can have all to do with, with, you know, what you've replaced, what electrolytes you replace. So, um, without trying to get too far down the, the physiolo- physiology, uh, rabbit hole here, um, within, within your muscles, You've got this, this concentration, this, this kind of, um, it's a delicate balance, but there's obviously some wiggle room of, of sodium, potassium, and 
what's the other one? Calcium, I think, are the, are the three minerals that, that have a lot to do with your, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a pump, the pumping action of your, your muscles, the contraction and relaxation of those muscles. So again, without getting too, too technical, when your muscles contract, Certain, you know, the, 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 the muscles literally are pumping one of those chem or one of those, uh, minerals into the muscle. And then when it's ready to relax, it pumps it back out. All right. And, and the, the, again, the different, the different, um, minerals there, uh, the different electrolytes, different salts, if you want to call it that they all play their own role in this, in this whole process. And if you start to, to really deplete one or more of those, um, those minerals, which they, they come out of your body when you're sweating, um, it can throw that, that balance off, which can mean that the muscles aren't firing like they're supposed to kind of a little hitch in the giddy up. And all of a sudden things are cramping up they're, 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 The muscles are firing. They're not releasing. So, so that's, you know, you're getting that feeling of a cramp. Um, so, you know, the, the best things you can do in that, if that's the situation, obviously is to replace your, your, your electrolytes. So that's where having your Gatorades or your tailwinds or, or whatever, some type of an electrolyte drink, uh, can help to replace those things. If you're a real heavy sweater, I'm sorry, a real salty sweater. Uh, it's even more valuable that you're taking some salt tablets or some salt pills or, or some type of electrolyte replacement on your, on your runs. Um, because that's going to be probably the most common cause of muscle cramps while racing. Again, maximal efforts, those things over time can cause some, some cramping as well, but definitely the, I would say the most common situation has to do with that balance of, of the salts, the balance of the electrolytes within your, within your muscles getting, getting off, getting thrown off a little bit. Um, and so again, that can be related to being dehydrated, but not, not as much as people think. Um, more often it's, it's the, those, those minerals being depleted too much from sweating. And also, like I said, it can be too much from being overhydrated, which isn't a common problem, but is a legitimate thing to be aware of. If you drink too much water and not enough with that, that replaces some of those salts, um, your body doesn't have the minerals that it needs. It's, it's too diluted. And that causes you problems. So, um, hydration level can be a part of it, lack of salt, things like that. So hope that all makes sense, Trevor. I, I know it's, it's maybe sounds a bit vague. Try not to get too deep into the, the physiology wormhole. Um, because sometimes it, even I get into those weeds and I can't find my way out. So don't want to do that to you. Um, but those, those are kind of your big causes or big reasons. Um, most common reasons of cramping on race day. Another question from Brooks says, for someone who wants to transition from a regular running shoe to a zero drop, what would you recommend the first shoes to be? Um, before I get into that, Brooke, I, I do have one question for you as far as why, why are you wanting to transition from a quote unquote regular running shoe to something that's zero drop? Now I'm obviously an ultra guy. I'm shoot as I'm recording this, I've got a freaking ultra shirt on. I've got ultra shorts on. I've got an ultra freaking um, buff on my head, you know, bandana on my head. So, um, Clearly I'm, I'm going to, you know, the most probably expected answer is like, yeah, go get, get yourself a pair of ultras, um, and, and, and roll with it. Um, but you know, if you're wearing a quote unquote regular running shoe and you're not having any problems, you know, I don't want to say don't transition to, to something like an ultra or zero drop shoe, but you know, if you're not having any problems. You're not having any issues. Sometimes switching up your shoes, especially switching it up dramatically kind of is asking for some, some problems from your body. So at least some, some adjustment period that, you know, if you're not having any issues, I don't know. I, I don't know. Do you want to go looking for an issue? So something to think about just because you're, 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 if, if you're wearing a shoe, that's not giving you any trouble, maybe stick with something similar than that because it's not giving you any trouble. You know, um, that said, 
if you're going to switch to a, a, a pair of, of, you know, something that's zero drop, obviously, like I said, I'm an ultra guy, get yourself some ultras, which, which ones I don't know. Like, I mean, kind of like with, with, uh, um, Rhonda's question, it's not like there's a set. This is the best shoe. You know, wh- what are you currently wearing? Is it something that's pretty, pretty thick cushion? Then get one of the ultras. that's a, a thicker cushion. If it's something that's more of a minimal, uh, you know, lightweight, not much of a, of a cushion to the shoe, then get something like that from, from ultras catalog. That's, that's not very, very thick, not very dense, not a whole lot of cushion. Cause that's what your body's used to. You're already switching the drop. There's no reason to make a super dramatic switch. Cause again, that's more that your body's going to have to adjust to more risk, more potential risk for something to, to go wrong for your body to rebel a little bit. So try to switch to a similar type of shoe than what you're wearing. Okay. Um, one other thing to think about whatever shoes you're in currently, What's the drop on those? Now, if, if you're in something that's that's got a pretty low drop anyway, something like four millimeters or something like that, then switching to ultras, it's really not going to be that huge of a transition. Yes, it's going to be a little bit of a transition, but not huge. If you're in something that's an eight millimeter, 10 millimeter, 12 millimeter drop, something that's a, a pretty pretty substantial heel, um, maybe maybe do a graduated switch. Get, get yourself something that's got a four or five millimeter drop and use that as a transition shoe. Um, and, and instead of trying to, to, you know, just completely shock your system by going from a 12 millimeter to a zero drop, like that's a big jump to make. Um, and again, if you're not having problems, you're asking for problems. You're asking for calves that are screaming at you, potentially Achilles tendonitis issues. Um, long-term, I think it's a long-term. I'm a, I'm a believer in zero drop. I'm a believer in, in how that affects your, your, your stride and what that can do for your body and, and good mechanics and injury reduction risk and things like that. But short-term, Ooh boy, it's, it's, it's a shock to the system and can cause you some problems. So, you know, maybe, maybe transition to something like a, a, a Brooks or a Nike or something like that. That's, that's in that kind of four millimeter drop zone, um, and see what happens there. And then, you know, let your body get used to that wearing those shoes for several months and then jump to, uh, a zero drop. And that's exactly what I did. That's exactly what I did. I went from a new balance, something that was a pretty heavy heel. I also worked on my, my, um, my stride. So I was working on focusing on landing with my, I was trying to focus on kind of a more of a four foot strike. Uh, cause I was in the heyday of those, but since then easier thing to work on, work on landing with your feet underneath you. So instead of landing with your foot out in front, land with your, your foot as close to under the center of your body as possible, which then you're probably going to be more of a forefoot. But even if you're he- heel striking at that point, you're going to be fine. Cause you're landing over top of your foot. Um, work on that. Um, and then, so I worked on that and then I switched to a Brooks that had a four millimeter drop, um, and kind of got used to that process. And then I switched to ultras and haven't looked back since then. So, um, transitioning shoes is a process. It's definitely a, a transition depending on where you're starting from. It could be a long transition, uh, but hopefully that gives you some, some suggestions, Brooke, or some ideas, some things you can work with. Uh, and obviously if you have more questions, just let me know and we'll try to, to steer you in the right direction. Uh, next question comes from Mr. Short himself. Uh, only one question from uh, team short this month, which is uh, a little bit, a uh, little bit unusual between Chris and Melody, but uh, that's all right. Still love you guys. <laughs> um, but first question or, or only question from uh, Chris this month, any advice on how to not go crazy when you have to take an unexpected month or so off of training? What things can you do to set yourself up for success ahead of time for when you can start back? So yeah, this, this is a tough one, whether it's an injury, life event, whatever it is, if you've got to take some time off for, for a little while that you hadn't really planned on, 
obviously it's def- deflating. It sucks, you know, especially if there's races that you have to try to defer or you're going to have to miss some races, whatever. Like it's not an ideal situation. But what do you do to try to keep things, you know, keep things together so that when you're coming back, you're 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 missing as as little time as possible. So um, I think that the obvious answer, or at least the obvious first answer, is to you know what can you do from a cross training, strength training, yoga, little things type of perspective to maintain as much fitness as possible. So maybe you can't run because there's an Achilles issue, just spitballing here. Um, and I work with Chris, he's one of my, my athletes and I know that he's, he doesn't have an Achilles issue. So uh, this isn't like some hypothetical where I'm not really being hypothetical. It's really as a hypothetical. Say you had a, a, an Achilles issue and, and you know, running is, is causing too much stress and strain. You need to give that a break. Well, you know, could you ride a bike? Could you swim? Could you do those types of things to maintain the answer is yes. With an Achilles issue, yes, you probably could. To maintain some level of fitness, to get your workouts in, um, while, while also at the same time taking some stress off of that area. You, know, you could probably do some strength training, things like that. So what kind of things can you do um, to maintain your fitness, to maintain your your uh, health and strength and cardiovascular fitness without stressing that area that's that's injured, if, if injury is what's causing you to have to take some time off? Um, do those things. Do those things. And, and, you know, try to maintain your regular routine as much as possible. So if, you know, if you normally run five days a week, um, then try to cross train those, those same five days, try to keep things about the same level. Now, maybe you're not going to do a, a four hour, uh, cross training session. Like you would do a, a or maybe a three hour cross training session. Like you do a three hour long run. Maybe you would, I don't know. Um, but, but try to stay in that, that same routine as much as possible, uh, to, to try to reduce the amount of fitness that you might lose if you're going to be out of running for a month or more. Um, Similarly, make sure you, you don't get yourself in that situation, which I've seen before. I may or may not have seen it in myself before. And by that, I mean, I definitely have seen this in myself before where it's like, woe is me. I can't run. Life sucks. I'm just going to eat all the things and, and you know, like, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to stay up late. I, blah, 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 blah. I'm just not taking good, as good a care of myself as I could have because I'm not training, you know, so you let your diet slip a little bit. You're, you're not sleeping as much. Well, guess what? Our bodies work better when we're eating well and getting plenty of sleep. You know, I've talked about this before. This isn't, shouldn't be something new. And if your body's trying to heal and recover from an injury, guess what? Even more of a reason to make sure you're sleeping plenty. Make sure you're eating plenty of, of veg and, and healthy foods and things like that. And staying away from the processed crap. Because you want to give your, your body the, the best environment possible to heal as quickly as possible. So, um, you know, eat well, sleep well do as much as you can from a cross training perspective. Obviously if, if the cross training is irritating the, the issue, avoid that. Um, but do those types of things. And, and then, you know, from a mental perspective, you know, try to stay, uh, as positive as possible. You know, maybe try to plan some races, shuffle your race schedule around, um, so that, you know, you have something to look forward to, um, stay engaged in, in the running communities whether it's online, whether it's in person, um, you know, just to, 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 try to keep your, your mindset in the right place. Uh, but being out for a while, it sucks. It's not, it's not fun, but hopefully those are some things that you can do to kind of, you know, not go too crazy. Um, and then when you start back, you know, this is difficult, but when you start back, ease back into things, don't just go hog wild. Um, or you could very easily re aggravate that issue that uh, has kept you out for the last month or more. So hope all those things help Chris, uh, for you, obviously I'm, I'm here in your corner. We'll, we'll get you through all this. Uh, but for those that, that find themselves in a similar situation, hope that, 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 uh, hope those gives you some suggestions to keep you, uh, I mean, just help you get through this time. That's not, uh, not the most enjoyable time for us as runners when we can't run. So, uh, stay strong and hopefully, uh, get back soon. 
two questions left. First one comes from Kat. It says, for someone focusing on... Actually, I think three questions. Nope, two questions. Left. I was right. Don't don't dis, don't question yourself, Diz. Just two questions left. Uh, for someone, like I said, coming from Cat, uh, for someone focusing on their mental game, do you have any advice for different uh, for differentiating between? Um, sorry, trying to read here between situations where you should push through a tough run and situations where you'd benefit from backing off. The line between improving as a runner and setting myself up for injury is sometimes less clear than I would like it to be. Um, and, uh, cat, I'm not going to offer much clarity here. Uh, it's definitely, uh, uh, yeah, it definitely depends. There's definitely no one right answer. There's definitely not even a situation where for you, it's going to be the same every time, every, every time you, you kind of get those feelings, um, they're, they're, you know, it, it, the right answer could be to keep going. The right answer could be to back off. It's, 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 it is the grayest of gray areas. And I, I, I'm not trying to just duck your question. It really, really truly is. Um, the one kind of, of rule of thumb that I use for myself that you can use for yourself as well is that if running seems to be making the thing worse, like if, if while you're running, it is painful and becoming more painful, that's a pretty good sign from your body to say, Hey, Hey, back off. Stop. This hurts. You know, if running doesn't seem to make the, the situation any worse, then, then maybe you've got a bit more latitude to, to push, to keep on going. Maybe not push farther, push harder, but to at least kind of keep going at a, at a relatively moderate level of intensity. Um, and depending on, on what you're feeling and what your issue is, that's something to keep in mind as well that, you know, you can usually get away with running easy um, because that puts less stress on the body, less stress on the muscles, the joints, the tendons, all that kind of good stuff. Um, so maybe it's a back off the intensity and see what that does. Again, if that's still causing pain, then shut it down. But if, 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 you know, pushing at your, your normal pace is hurting, but you can slow down a bit and doesn't hurt anymore. Well then slow down a bit and, and hopefully then you can keep going. You can maintain your fitness while your body's healing, um, without too much of a fall off. So, um, but, but it, it, it depends. It depends. Every, every situation is different. Every person's different. Um, and so it's really hard to give a, a firm answer on that cat. Um, you know, it's, it's a bit of trial and error, you know, kind of going back to Dan's question. Maybe it's one of those things that you kind of have to experience and learn the hard way because you overdid it and go, all right, well, that was, that was the point where I shouldn't have gone. I shouldn't have pushed through that, um, depending on what the situation is. Um, and so then the next time you're in a similar situation, maybe the next week, the next month, whatever you go, all right, I got to this point up, oh, better back off a bit. Um, and then, you know, you don't have that setback. So, uh, sorry, I don't have a better answer for you than that cat, but, uh, it, it just, it just depends. It just depends. And, um, man, it's, it's a tough one to, to try to navigate, um, other little bit of advice, err on the side of caution in most cases. Um, because you know, again, you don't want to turn something that's a two or three day thing into a two or week, two or three week thing. If you can help it, uh, and, and a lot of times being stubborn and pushing through and I'm going to do it, damn it. That's what gets you into more trouble than backing off a little bit more. So, um, err on the side of caution. And if it's causing pain, that's a good sign to definitely err on the side of shutting it down instead of pushing on. Uh, next question, very similar, uh, comes from Jennifer. Uh, final question. I'm a few weeks into training for my first half. I'm feeling some serious strain slash tightness in my right calf and hamstring on and off. Mostly after I'm forced to run on the treadmill, how can I tell what's normal from adding mileage and when I'm crossing over into injury and need to back off? Um, again, Jennifer, I kind of, like I said with, with cat here, it's, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Lots of gray area. Um, 
and, and it's hard to, to, to for me to just try to offer good advice here that, that's that's more general. Um, but again, if if it's something that you're feeling it more after the run, um, after the time on the treadmill, you're probably okay. You're probably okay. If it's feeling tight and starting to feel painful while you're running, that's a pretty good sign that uh, you know if you keep pushing it, it might uh, might become more serious. So that might be a, a good time to to stop the run. Hopefully, you'll get to a situation where you're not in the treadmill much anymore. Hopefully, you'll, you'll start to get some spring weather. You can get outside, and, and and sometimes that just that that change of getting onto some different terrains and different uh, elevations and things like that can solve the problem. Um, you know, and hopefully that that works for you. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 tough to to really say that you know do this, but don't do that. Um, when it's come to these situations, so you got to really be in touch with your body. What's it saying to you? Uh, what's your, what's your feeling? Trust your gut. Um, and again, err on the side of caution. So sorry, Jennifer and Kat, that I don't have a better answer for you guys to, to wrap this up, but it's, it's just, it's, it's really kind of one of those things that you just kind of have to, to play with and massage a little bit and, and feel around and, and, and hopefully not learn too many lessons the hard way. Um, but sometimes that's, that's what it kind of takes to get a feel for, all right, in this situation, back off in this situation, keep going. Um, and obviously it also depends on, on where you are on, in your training cycle. You know, if, if you're not training for anything right now, then why push it? Why push it? Um, you know, if, if it's, if it's race day, then kind of keep, keep grinding it out, you know? Um, but, uh, Jennifer, good luck with your first half. Um, and, and it sounds like it's probably a situation where you're probably okay if you're feeling it mostly after the run, but again, listen to your body, err on the side of caution, um, and, and trust that, uh, and, and please Jennifer trust one missed run, one missed week of training is not going to completely derail you. It's something you can work with. You can adjust. If that, if that if that's what it takes to get your body right, you'll still be able to, to run that first half marathon, um, you know, without, without any issues. I promise you. I promise you. So that is it. That is the, the list of questions this month. I thought there was no way in the world we'd get to an hour. And yet here we are button up against an hour, crossing over into an hour. Oh man. Apparently I like to talk. Apparently don't. And if you ask my wife, she would not agree with you on that statement because I think I pretty much just spent an hour talking here and I probably won't talk again the rest of the day. It'll be just radio silence around the house. But uh, anyway, hope this was helpful. Hope this was useful. Uh, thanks to everybody who left questions. If you want to get your questions featured in uh, next month or the month after that, disruns.com slash Facebook or, or on the Facebook, just search for the Disruns tribe. Come join us, our happy little corner of the internet. Uh, and whenever I put the, the next post out for uh, the, the March edition of Listener Q&A sometime in the middle of the month, uh, beware the Ides of March. That's when I'll be putting out, uh, <laughs> somewhere around there, I'll be putting out the, uh, the, the post. Get your questions in there, and uh, we'll have some answers for you uh, a couple weeks later. So um, that is about it. Once again, exoskin.us. Use the code DISRUNS. Uh, and let me know what you get. Let me know if you, if you checked it out, any questions that you have. We'll, we'll get it squared away for you. Um, and help you feel uh, confident that you're, you're getting something that's really worth the value. And I, I, I really believe that uh, that their stuff is the best quality I've seen and well worth it. So, uh, but you can also save you know, save twenty percent. That makes it a little bit more worth it too. So, uh, exoskin.us. And uh, until next time, thank you guys for the questions. Thanks for listening to the answers. Hope you learned a little something that'll help you along the way. Uh, if you did, go ahead and tell others about uh, about the show. Share the show. Um, support the show, whatever it is. We'll, we'll, we're going to keep on going. We got no plans on slowing down anytime soon. So thanks for all you do for me. Hope this is a little way to give a little something back. Hope it's, it's useful. Hope it's valuable. Uh, and until next time, please be well. Take good care. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Take care, guys.